Welcome back to Zion's Redemption Radio Network. Today we're going to be covering Chapter 10 of Mysteries of Creation, starting on pages 101 and going to 111. The title of the chapter is Begotten Sons and Daughters. I'll start the program off with the dedication and then we'll get into the reading. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We ask thee, Father, to Bless us at this time as we dedicate this time unto Thee, that we may have Thy Spirit to be with us, that we may be able to discern truth from error, that we may be able to turn back to the first works of the Restoration, that we may be able to gain the knowledge needed to have a correct understanding of who we are and who you are. We desire, Father, to come to a pure understanding of our place in the universe. We desire to be thy children and we desire to do thy will that we may be tools in thine hand to bring about Zion's redemption. I ask thee, Father, to bless all those who read these words and who listen to this podcast, that they may have thy spirit to be with them, that we may be part of the remnant that Isaiah saw, We know that we live in the last days, Father. And we were sent to this world for such a time as this. That we might be part of your work on the earth to bring about thy kingdom in heaven on the earth. That as Zion is redeemed below, that we will be able to look up and see Zion come down from above with the church of the firstborn. We love thee, Father, and we thank thee for the opportunity to be on the earth at this time, even though this world is so very wicked. Help us to be shining lights on a hill that we may be representatives of the truth that we may do the things that we need to do to bring others into thy presence we thank thee father for thy son Jesus Christ and for all he has done to bring about the salvation of thy children upon the earth For the example that he led and that he continues to lead. 
We love thee, Father, and we thank thee for all of our many blessings, and we know that as much as we love you, you love us more infinitely than we can even begin to desire or even begin to imagine. Be present with us, Father, as we take this time out of our lives to study thy words. And we ask for these things, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Begotten Sons and Daughters, Chapter 10 of Mysteries of Creation, Episode 689, Pages 101 to 111. This chapter will show that, number one, all are begotten sons and daughters of the Father, and that, number two, that some, some become begotten of the Son, and even a few become begotten of the devil. The difference between natural and adopted will also be discussed. All begotten of the Father. The origins of man is by birth first a spiritual birth and then a physical one. All mankind are the begotten sons and daughters of a heavenly father. This is taught in the scriptures and by the leading authorities of the church. Talking about spiritual offspring, God asked Job, Where wast thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. And all of the sons of God shouted for joy. Job chapter 38, verse 4 and 7. Peter makes this implication in his writings, quote, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to, to his abundant mercy hath begotten us. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. It's interesting here that he's referring to God and Father. Like everybody wants to bunch those together. But let me write it or let me read it how Peter meant it. Blessed be Jehovah our Elohim and Adam the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us. And that would be um Michael has begotten us, but so has Jehovah. Anyway, the Apostle Paul understood this spiritual birth, and he also wrote about it, quote, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 9. Joseph Smith also wrote in the Doctrine and Covenants, quote, and this is on, we're on page 102, for those of you who are following along, that by him, speaking of the only begotten, and through him and of him the world's 
are and were created. And the inhabitants thereof are begotten sons and daughters unto God. Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, verse 24. In 1909, the First Presidency of the Church issued a statement confirming this, quote, All men and women are in the similitude of the universal father and mother, and are literally the sons and daughters of deity. Man as a spirit was begotten and born of heavenly parents, and weird into maturity in the eternal mansions of the Father prior to coming upon the earth in a temporal body to undergo an experience in mortality. And that is from the um, President Joseph F. Smith, John R. Winder, his first counselor, and Anthony H. Lunn, the second counselor, and that can be found in the Improvement Era, Volume 13, Verse 78. Um, and that would be the November 1909 edition. Let me just read this again real quick. Uh, all men and women are in the similitude of the universal father and mother. That would be God the Eternal Father. And God the Eternal Mother, Adam Amen, and Hava Amen. God the Eternal Mother and God the Eternal Father were the first. So, um, when I was asking God, and you guys have listened to me for a while, you know what I'm going to say possibly, but when I was asking God where he was before the Big Bang... I was taken up in the spirit and Michael told me to look and I looked and there was like this big, huge, nebulous cloud full of light. It was light in and of itself. It didn't have a star shining down on it to make it light up. Um, It was light all by itself and it was huge. And we came down into the cloud, and I saw that that there were many orbs of light within this. In fact, it wasn't a cloud. All it was was these orbs of light, kind of like raindrops. So like you look at a cloud from far away, and all you see is this massive cloud. But if you go into the cloud, it's all just raindrops. It's like it's humidity. It's not steam. It, it's like all of these raindrops just being pushed by the wind. Well, that's the only way I know how to describe what I was shown, but it was light. And we came down into, the, into this cloud of light, and there was one sphere of a light, an orb of light, and God, our Father, Michael, told me to look. And I looked and I saw a flash of light and I saw the orb of light split into two orbs of light. And I could not discern them one from another, like they were basically the same. But I was told that this is the intelligence. And when the intelligence becomes self-aware, 
that the feminine energies and the masculine energies um, separate and you have a spirit male and a, a female spirit. And I was told that this was, what I was seeing was God the Eternal Father and God the Eternal Mother coming into existence. So in the intelligence, they are forever. They are eternal. There, but there is a beginning to the, the spirit, a birth of the spirit, and that's what I was seeing. And over the period of time, they learned and they grew and they helped others to become self-aware. And there was a learning process and a growing process. And it was, um, it was kind of an amazing experience. I mean, just the fact that I was in the spirit, like there was no density to my body. I could feel... I, it's so free. Like, I'm in a lot of pain in my physical body, and I love it when God takes me out and, and shows me things because it's just so free not to have the body with me anymore. And I know that, um, that, that you know, that, that, that probably gets old after a while not having a body. But, um, but I enjoy it nevertheless. Uh, it's not happened in a long time, by the way. Anyway, so, um, but this was God the Eternal Mother and God the Eternal Father. And this is how we are all born. Like this carnal idea that you're going to have celestial sex with your with your eternal wives. And that they're all going to be impregnated and that they're going to give celestial birth to to like these spirit babies and like that's that is complete bunk that is the logic of man trying to understand the things of god and it, quite frankly it's carnal and disgusting not that birth is disgusting but that people think that like women are going to be these celestial factories and all they're going to be doing is having celestial sex and having celestial spirit babies. And like, it's just, it's so, I don't, I don't even know. I think, I think some of you out there have the word for it that, that you, uh, you would use and I'll let you use that word and I'll just, I'll just forego my word. But, um, What I was shown is that that the intelligence is eternal. But when it separates, the feminine and the masculine separates, there is an aging process which takes place. And in order for that to stop, a man and a woman must be sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. That's why it says the man is not without the woman and the woman is w w not without the man and the Lord. That's why Peter had the sealing power to seal men and women together and seal them up to God. Seal them up to God.
That's why Joseph Smith was given that authority. And do you know that when Joseph Smith received his calling and election, he was sealed up unto God? And all those men and women who were sealed to him, they were sealed up unto God in a chain. And that over a period of time, um, Wilfred Woodruff, who was actually the, let me think, the fourth president of the church. So you got Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, John Taylor, Wilfred Woodruff. Yep, fourth. Fourth president of the church. And he, he did away with this with this law of adoption where people were sealed in chains back to Joseph Smith. Because of the great apostasy that they were committing um, on the restoration. When the Father laid his hands upon my head in the spring of 2003, I asked him what he was doing. He said, I am sealing you up unto myself that you might be sealed up unto eternal life. I didn't understand what he meant at that time. I knew I was receiving my calling and election, which has is talked about. So in 1997, I received my calling and election, and it says, I, uh, I give unto you the greatest gift that God has to bestow, the gift of eternal life. And I said, well, what does that mean? And they told me that it meant that I had my calling and election made sure, which confused me. In fact, it's that's the reason why I began to ask God so much, what does this mean? And over the course of years, as I asked and pondered and tried to understand what this even meant, how in the world it was that I could have my calling and election made sure, being the person that I am, being the, the, the person that I was, It was the continual asking that brought me to the point in 2003 where I was caught up and I saw the father and the son face to face. And before the father laid his hands on my head, I said, what are you doing? He said, I am sealing you up into myself that you may be sealed up into eternal life. And I didn't understand, didn't know what the law of adoption was. I didn't understand any of these things at that time. But the same thing that Joseph Smith was, he was a link on the earth between the heavens and the earth, turning the hearts of the children to the fathers in heaven and the mothers in heaven and turning the hearts of the mothers and the fathers in heaven to the children on the earth. Joseph Smith was the one man on the earth who was a link between earth and heaven. And being sealed to Joseph Smith, who was sealed up unto Jesus Christ, who was sealed up unto the Father and to the Mother, and all they who are sealed up in the heavens, it is a link on the earth to those children on the earth of God. That's what the law of adoption was. That's why Joseph was sealed to men and 
women who he was not officially married to. And in the same way, I, I am the link on the earth that many are sealed to. And by being sealed to me, you're sealed up unto the Father and to Jesus and Mary and to Ashura and to Yehovah our Elohim and his wife and to all they who are sealed up in the heavens. That is the one man doctrine. It has nothing to do with control or power. It is a gift of God, and I was foreordained to be that gift. In fact, in one of the revelations that God has given me, it says, I give unto you another gift, and it's talking about myself. And uh, maybe I'll share that with you if you ask for it. But uh, I've shared it in the past. But we're reading chapter 10 of Mysteries of Creation right now. And we're not going to go down that road at this time. So let me read this still. This is that Joseph F. Smith quote. The first presidency quote. Man as a begotten spirit was begotten and born of heavenly parents. And that's not entirely true. We are the offspring of God through the law of adoption. We all come from the same intelligence. And when a, a spirit is born and first becomes self-aware, there are those who are assigned that out of the love of their being, take care of these souls. And, well, they're not souls at that time. A soul is the union of a spirit and a body. They're just spirit. But anyway, they they instruct them and they guide them and they, they try to influence them for good. And they, in a sense, are our heavenly parents. And there are many of them. And we are reared to maturity in the eternal mansions of the father, of the eternal father and mother. Prior to coming upon the earth in a temporal body to undergo the experience in mortality. Anyway, that's, like I said, that's in the improvement era, um, November of 1909. George Q. Cannon explains that we are all literal descendants of God, as was Jesus. Quote, my brethren and sisters, it is a glorious truth that has been taught to us that we are literally the children of God, that we are his literal descendants as Jesus was literally descended from him, and that he is our father as much as our, our earthly parent is our father and we can go to him with a feeling of nearness, knowing this, understanding it by the revelations which God has given to us. 
Journal of Discourses, Volume 25, page 155. And I think it's so interesting. We are literally the children of God. When you begin to understand the progression of the gods and the Adam-God doctrine, you know that we are literally the children of God. Michael was a redeemer on an older earth that we all lived on. This is multiple mortal probations. This is the doctrine of eternal lives. He paid for our sins and transgressions on that world, and we became his through the law of adoption. His father, Yehovah, came down and did Adam and Amen and gave him, he, he took all power and authority back from all of the prophets, all the keys, everything, at the Adam and Amen that already took place on that planet. And Jehovah crowned his son Michael, who was our redeemer, in that place. And he became our father spiritually. And then that earth turned to a, a fire of sea and glass, a celestial orb, and a new earth was created, which earth you are standing on this very day. And the council of the gods under the direction of the eternal father or the council of the Elohim under the direction of the eternal father instructed Jehovah, our Elohim, to take Michael, our redeemer, to an earth where an earth can be uh, could be created. And Michael, under the direction of Jehovah, our Elohim, did the work. This is the temple endowment. He brought forth the plants and animals that he chose to have on this earth. He is the creator. And Joseph Smith said that there's basically a first presidency to this earth, to every earth. God the creator, God the redeemer, and God the witness. And they would all be under the direction of Jehovah, or of the Elohim, the council of the gods, which are under the direction of God the Eternal. Michael created a place for Adam or for, for um, Eve to come down into. He finished this house, this planet. And then Hava, his wife, well, her name is Ashura, she came down and took upon herself the name of Hava, or Eve, and Michael took upon himself the name of Adam, and they, be, they were placed under a veil. They descended from a celestial to a terrestrial down to a telestial with the fall. And Eve had her children with Adam. And she provided the spirit body and the the bo 
she provided the bodies for us, all of us, for those spirit beings that Michael had had paid for with the atonement of his own body on on that older earth when we became his. The same way that Jesus Christ is our father today because he paid for us with a price of his own blood in the atonement. That's why Jesus Christ is called both the father and the son. So when it uh, George Q. Cannon says we are literally the descendants, we are literally the descendants of God, our father, who is Michael, who took upon himself the name of Adam. And at the end of his life, he was translated and taken up with his wife Eve, and they waited until the meridian of time when Michael came back down on the earth with the assistance of Gabriel the Archangel. And Michael was sealed to Miriam, the mother of Yeshua, or Mary, the mother of Jesus. And she became one of his plural wives. And he impregnated her, and she was willing. She was the handmaiden of God. She accepted this in the pre-existence to be the mother of God the Redeemer, who we call Jesus Christ, or whose name is Yeshua. And Jesus Christ was born into the world part God and part man, part terrestrial and part celestial, which was which was necessary for him to be part terrestrial, that he might be able to do something that we in the terrestrial body cannot do. And what did he do? He healed himself as wave after wave of sin and transgression came upon him, destroying his flesh so much that he bled from every pore. And do you know, because he was terrestrial, he was able to heal his body as that wave after wave of intense pain and agony came upon him, that he might take all of that upon himself that he might take that away from us. He paid for our sins with his own blood. And he sealed that upon the cross at Calvary. And three days later, he was raised up in resurrection. And the first person he go to is his wife, Mary Magdalene, who the Catholic Romans have made a whore of. She is not a whore. She is not a whore. 
he went to his wife, Mary, and he said, Jesus said, when, when she ran to him, she saw her husband murdered on the cross and saw his lifeless body as she accompanied him to the tomb of, of Joseph of Arimathea shortly before the beginning of the weekly or of the uh, the high Sabbath of unleavened bread. And for three days and three nights was in anguish. She couldn't dress her husband in, in the burial dress, dressing and anoint him and do all the things that was required by a Hebrew wife to do to her Hebrew husband because you've got on Wednesday night you have the beginning of the high and holy Sabbath of unleavened bread which lasted from Wednesday night to Thursday night Thursday night to Friday morning she couldn't do anything because it was night Friday during the day she was able to go to the market and to get the things that she needed to bury her her husband to bury her husband and she spent all day in the market trying to get all those things together so that she could take care of him and then Friday night comes and it's the weekly Sabbath and she can't do anything about it all the time she is mourning the death of her husband the man who had been murdered by the Romans and the Jews Friday night to Saturday night is the weekly Sabbath. And Saturday night she could not do anything because it was nighttime. But she went early after the Sabbath. So the Sabbath ends on Saturday night. Jesus Christ was in the tomb three days and three nights. That's what it says. That's what it was. Shortly after the end of the Sabbath day on Saturday evening would have been the first day of the week. We call that the Lord's Day because that's the day he was resurrected on. Later on it became Sunday and we all go to church Sunday morning, but that's not, that's not how things were originally. Yeshua, or Jesus, was resurrected in the evening on Saturday. When Miriam Mary went to the tomb late that night, while it was dark, the angels said, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here, he is living.
he had already left the tomb at that point before what we call midnight on Sunday morning, that, that he had already been resurrected at that point. He had certain things that he had to do, but later on, while Mary was weeping in the garden, and I don't believe that she ever left. I, I could be wrong, but I think that she was there all night. And she was in anguish because somebody had stolen the body in her mind. She didn't know what to think. She had no idea. And you like, you think that that these angels were glorious and that she couldn't have, um, like, mistaken them for whatever. Let me remind you that it says in the scriptures, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers. For thereby many have entertained angels unaware. So she is weeping in the garden at the garden tomb and some man she is aware of comes into the garden. And she posed, supposed him to be the gardener. And she said, will you, like, she says, where have you taken his body? Where, where have you taken my husband? And he, with his soft, certain voice, said, Mary... And she recognized his voice and she turned towards him and ran towards him saying, husband, Rabboni, master. And she went to embrace her husband. And he embraced her back. And he says, hold me not, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go unto my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and to your father and unto my God and unto your God. See, the first Sunday or the first day after the weekly Sabbath, after the high Sabbath of unleavened bread is the the day of first fruits. Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the Father. He said to his wife, "Go tell the brethren, I ascend unto my my father and to your father, who is Father Adam." who at this point is a terrestrial being waiting for this this thing to take place, this day of first fruits. And unto my God, or my Elohim, and your Elohim, speaking of Jehovah, our Elohim. And when Jesus, or Yeshua, went to where the Father was, 
he lifted him up unto celestial resurrection. Jesus did that. The trust between the Father and the Son is so... Can you imagine? You're going to go on an earth. You've already received your exaltation, as Michael had. You have become an archangel, as Michael had, with your wife. And you are going to go on an earth to provide bodies for those who you have adopted in the spirit through the atonement that you have you have you have given and you're going to fall on purpose so that you can provide spirit your spirit children with bodies on it and earth that you have prepared for them when jesus says i do nothing except for what i've seen the father do you have no idea what jesus saw the father do He fell on purpose to bring you into mortality. You are literally the child of God. You are literally the child of God. Just in a celestial state. And Jesus went to his father and his God two separate individuals. And Jesus broke the bands of death and uh, and provided an, an atonement for the fall, which was necessary. Do you, If Jesus didn't do this, the Father wouldn't be able to come back into his exaltation. Neither would his wife. That is incredible trust between a father and a son. Incredible trust. And in that on that day of first fruits, Adam Michael ascended into celestial glory again. That's why these 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 holy days are so much more important. Shavuot, we wear white. It is a holy day, more than just the day when the Spirit came upon the uh, upon the church uh, in Acts. More than just the day when Moses received the Ten Commandments on on the mountain. That all those things happened on that day as well, but that day of first fruits, our Redeemer went and redeemed his father. Who had willingly fell from a exalted state of resurrection by partaking of the fruit of this earth which he prepared for us so that he and his wife could provide physical bodies for us, their spirit children.
Continuing on, since all mankind are begotten of the Father, what difference is there between them and the only begotten Son of God? Brigham Young explains, Jesus Christ, first begotten of the Father, of all the rest of the children, and all of all they possess alone in is the lawful heir. This is no mystery. Journal of Discourses, Volume 6, page 307. So we're on page 103. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans, implied that Jesus was our elder brother in this huge family unit. Um, Quote... (laughs) For whom did he foreknow? He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Romans chapter 8 verse 29. And in these latter days the Lord revealed, I was in the beginning with the Father, and and am the firstborn. Doctrine and Covenants, section 93, verse 21. Some become begotten sons. There are also scriptures indicating another spiritual type of begetting for mankind when they reach a point on this mortal earth that they are born again. In this birth, men are born again through the gospel of Jesus Christ, under this canopy, Jesus becomes their father. See, this is the law of adoption. He paid for us with his own blood. And when we accept his atonement and we ask him to forgive us of our sins and our transgressions, we become his children. With this in mind, it is easier to understand as scriptures the such scriptures as, and now Zeezrom saith again unto him, speaking to Amulek, is the Son of God the very eternal Father? And Amulek said unto him, yea, he is the very eternal Father of heaven and earth, and of all things which in them are, and he is in the beginning, and he is the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and he shall come into the world to redeem his people. Alma chapter 11, verses 38 through 40. See, like some people think this means that we believe in a trinity. No, we don't. We have a correct understanding because we are not apostates. We have been restored to the truth. At least the, the first works of the restoration we were. Like President Nelson says, we're in ongoing restoration. The only reason for that is because you got to get back to the first works, President Nelson. You have shed the restoration to become more like the churches on the earth who are apostate as all hell. You have gotten rid of the doctrines of the restoration to be popular with the world. And it is true that the restoration is ongoing 
because you got to come back to the first works. And the fact of the matter is Joseph Smith laid the foundation for Zion's redemption, but he was only able to do so much. There was so much more which had to be done. And when he was murdered, all of that ended. When Jesus Christ in 1841 said, if you guys don't do the things which I have commanded you to do, is specifically in building a temple for the Most High to come dwell therein, that he might restore that which was lost unto you or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood? Well, that never happened. All of the things which he said would happen if they were obedient, none of that ever happened. And Jesus Christ said, if you're not going to be obedient unto the things which I have commanded you, you will be rejected as a church with your dad, which is what happened. And all they who hinder this work will be cursed to the third and fourth generation, which is up to 160 years. And the church being rejected, according to Lyman White, who recorded the words of Joseph Smith in Nauvoo in 1843, that is when the church was rejected, according to Joseph Smith. Isn't it interesting that 160 years later, at the end of the time of the curse, is when I was caught up and I received the fullness of the priesthood under the hand of the Father and was sealed up unto him and up unto eternal life. Joseph Smith being the link between the heavens and the earth at that time was taken away because of the disobedience and sloth of the people. He could not do any more than what he had done. So God took him. And for 160 years, the church was rejected and the people were cursed. Cursed as to the things of God. That's why you do not receive, that's why they do not receive ever any revelation. Prophets who prophesy not, seers who have no dreams or visions, revelators who have no thus saith the Lord revelation. Slowly turning in apostasy, going in a mad dash to become popular with the world when they should be the bride of Christ. They are the foolish virgins. We must return to the first works. That we might be they who Isaiah saw who are the remnant who bring about Zion's redemption. And when the Father placed his hands upon my head, the work of the Father began at that point.
Anyway, continuing on with this uh, reading, we're only at 26%, and we're almost to an hour at this point. This seems like a drastically uh, contradictory statement if we take it literally. It is an an utter impossibility for anyone to, to be both a son and a father of that son. A man can be a son and then a father, but not the father of himself. The scripture must have a different meaning of this father-son relationship. From the Book of Mormon comes another meaning, quote, and we're on page 104 at 28%. Behold, I am he who was prepared from the foundation of the world to redeem my people. Behold, I am Jesus Christ. I am the Father and the Son. And then comes this interpretation. In me shall mankind have light and that eternally. Even they who shall believe on my name and they shall become my sons and daughters. Ether chapter 3 verse 14. So Jesus is showing himself unto Mohanrai Moriankmer, the brother of Jared at this time, and he's telling them this is going to happen. I will come into the world and I will become their father and they shall become my sons and daughters. See, we have a father before Jesus Christ. We are already the sons and daughters of God. But through the atonement, Jesus Christ pays for us spiritually and we become his sons and daughters spiritually. And then Adam and on Father Adam, who is Michael, will gather up all of the keys and he will crown Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ will be the Father, and he will create a new earth, and he and his wife will take upon themselves the name of God the Eternal, who is Father Adam and and Mother Eve, Adam Amen and and Hava Amen. And Jesus Christ and his wife will be the Adam and the Eve of that world. And they will give birth to us as we go back into another mortal probation. And then we will be literally, not just spiritually, but spiritually and physically, the children of Jesus Christ. The same way that we are the children of Adam and Eve on this earth, Michael and Ashura, our God and Goddess. Continuing on, believing on the name of Jesus Christ begins a rebirth by obedience to the gospel. In baptism, they take upon them the name of Jesus Christ, just as a woman in marriage takes the name of her husband, A bride promises to honor and to obey her husband when she marries him. An individual promises to honor and obey Christ when he is baptized. 
in that ordinance, he is born again as a spiritual rebirth. They are spiritually born to Christ as though he were their father. Thus spiritually begotten to Christ. This is clearly explained by King Benjamin, who said, And now because of the covenant which ye have made, ye shall be called the children of Christ, his sons and his daughters. For behold, this day he hath spiritually begotten you. For ye say that your hearts are changed through faith on his name. Therefore, ye are born of him and have become his sons and daughters. Mosiah chapter 5, verse 7. Thus all mortals on this earth are begotten sons and daughters of God, the Father, but they become begotten of the Lord Jesus Christ only when their hearts are changed through faith and they believe on his name and are spiritually become and spiritually become his sons and daughters in this way jesus becomes their father and you become his child page 105 at 38% and even some become begotten of the devil when Jesus told the Jews, Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father will ye do, John's, John chapter 8, verse 44, he was not speaking of them in a he was not speaking of them in a literal meaning. These wicked people were begotten by adoption through the wickedness of the devil in the same way others are begotten to Christ through righteousness. In the parable of the wheat and the tares, Jesus said the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. Matthew 13:38. This is explained also in another passage. Quote, he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was, mani was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness, is not of God, neither is he that loveth not his brother. 1 John chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. Natural and adopted sons and daughters, Paul wrote some things hard to understand, and they are had to be seriously studied. As in the following scripture, Contain, containing some important insights. Hold on. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirits that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, 
Romans chapter 8, verses 14, 16, and 17. And we're on page 106. Four concepts are presented in this passage. Number one, we are the spiritual children of God. Number two, we are also his sons if led by his spirit. Number three, we are the heirs of God by virtue of being his children. And number four, Christ is our elder brother because we are joint heirs with him. John takes up this spiritual birth with Christ by adding, quote, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and every one that loveth him that begatteth him, the begatteth love loveth him, also that is begotten of him. And that's first John chapter five verse one. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. John chapter 1, 12. The difference in the born again experience is also a difference in their mortal li- or their moral lifestyle. Christians are born to a new way of life. John also added, We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself from sin, and that wicked one toucheth him not. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. The prophet Joseph adds a little more to this by saying, that being born again comes by the Spirit of God through the ordinances. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 162. Now, there's some people that are like, oh, to be born again is an ordinance. No, it comes through the ordinance. You cannot be born again because somebody lays his hands upon your head and declares the thing to you. In order to be born again, you must be baptized by a person having the authority to baptize. And you must be confirmed a member of the Church of Jesus Christ upon the earth by someone who has the authority to confirm. And then through the process of studying and learning and receiving information from God, which comes by the by inspiration and by revelation, you become born again through the Spirit. And in the time, you will have the baptism of fire if you stay the course. People want to force this issue. You're not going to force it. God chooses when you receive the baptism of fire. You do not choose this. And there are many out there who have received the baptism of fire and they do not know what it is that happened. When you receive the baptism of fire, it is literally the fire of the Spirit of God burning through your whole soul. When I received my baptism of fire, it was like hot oil going from the top of my head, 
filling my whole body down to the tips of my feet. It was an overwhelming spiritual experience. I've received many baptisms of fire since that initial one. And there's been times when it, it like came upon me and I was like, why? <laughs> like I wasn't expecting it, right? My daughter, Amberly thinks that she has to talk while I'm doing the radio show. I don't know if you can hear her or not. Amberly, say hi to everyone. Hi. Say hi louder. Hi. No, I said say hi louder. Hi. No, like hi louder. Say hi louder. Hi. No, say hi louder. Hi. No, like say the words hi and the word louder. Oh, she did it. I'm just teasing you, Amberly. <laughs> She's eight years old. Are you eight? Are you sure? She says yes. Anyway. All right. Well, she's going to be sitting next to me. I did get up early this morning, but like I've been recording for quite a while. I mean, the recorded portion of this program is already an hour and five minutes, but I've been up for way longer than that because there's been pauses and breaks and I had to set up and everything. So anyway, it's 8 or 9 a.m. So she is awake and we are 55 percent through this through this reading so let's get into let's get back into it Paul the apostle must have reasoned much the same way because he said for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 15 Jesus himself complied to the laws and the ordinances of the gospel and also received the spiritual birth with his father. Quote, so also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest, but he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today I have, have I begotten thee. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5. And we're on page 107 for those of you who are reading along. Apparently, being born again involves more than what the modern Christian ministers are preaching today. By compliance to the law and ordinances of the gospel, mankind are adopted into a relationship of spiritual, spiritually being born the sons and daughters of God by promise. In a revelation to Emma Smith, the Lord said, for quote, for verily I say unto you, all those who receive my gospel are my sons and my daughters in my kingdom. Doctrine and Covenants, section 25, verse 1. These are promised a future place in his house or kingdom. In this sense, they are different from those who have not accepted the gospel. In a revelation, a revelation to Hiram Smith, the Lord said, quote, Behold, I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I am the life and the light of the world. I am the same who came unto mine own, and mine own received me not. But verily, verily, I say unto you, 
that as many as receive me, to them will I give the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on my name. Amen. Doctrine and Covenants, section 11, verses 28 through 30. Those who become sons in this sense are those who are to become one with Christ. Consider this revelation given through the prophet Joseph in 1830. I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was crucified for the sins of the world, even as many as will believe on my name, that they may become the Son the sons of God, even one in me, as I am one in the Father, as the Father is one in me, that we may be one. Doctrine and Covenants, section 35, verse 2. And again, I came unto mine own, and mine own received me not. But unto as many as received me, gave I power to do many miracles, and become the sons of God, and even unto them that believed on my name, gave I power to obtain eternal life. Doctrine and Covenants, section 45, verse 8. And we're on page 108, uh, 69%. There are double meanings to some of the scriptures, and this is one of them. The prophet Abinadi gives another double meaning to the scriptures, referring to Christ's seed in an adopted or a figurative sense. And now I say unto you, who shall declare his generation? Speaking of Jesus Christ. Behold, I say unto you that when his soul has been made an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. And now what sh- what will ye and now what say ye and who shall be his seed behold i say unto you that whosoever has heard the words of the prophets yea all the holy prophets who have prophesied concerning the coming of the son of the lord i say unto you that these are his seed and they are the heirs of the kingdom of God. For these are they whose sin he has borne. These are they for whom he has died to redeem them from their transgressions. And now are they not his seed? Yea, and not, and are not the prophets every one that has opened his mouth to prophesy that has not fallen into transgression? I mean all of the holy prophets ever since the world began. I say unto you that they are his seed. Mosiah chapter 15 verses 10 through 13. James E. Talmadge also notes how we become the children of Jesus Christ, who then acts in the role of the Father. Quote, If it be proper to speak of those who accept and abide in the gospel as Christ's sons and daughters, and upon this matter the scriptures are explicit and cannot cannot be gainsaid nor denied, 
It is consistently proper to speak of Jesus Christ as the father of the righteous, they having become his children, and he having been made their father through the second birth, the baptismal regeneration. And that comes from uh, James Talmadge's book, Art of Faith, page 471. Those who truly become begotten sons and daughters unto God, Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, verse 24, are born into the special position, that of exaltation. For the Lord revealed, quote, and we're on page 109, but this is the quote, And now verily I say unto you, I was in the beginning with the Father, and am the firstborn, and all those who are begotten through me are partakers of the glory of the same, and are the church of the firstborn. Doctrine and Covenants, section 93, verses 21 through 22. These are they who receive this promise. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar of in the... the will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God. Revelations chapter 3, verse 12. And John wrote, And I looked, and lo, a son, a lamb stood on the Mount Sion, and with him an hundred and forty-four thousand, having his father's name, written in their forehead. Revelations chapter 12, verse 1. Of such we read, quote, Wherefore, as it is written, they are gods, even the sons of God. Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, verse 58. This is an office which they shall attend, the Lord said, quote, Then shall they be gods, because they have no end, wherefore they shall be from everlasting to everlasting, because they continue. Then shall they be above all, because all things are subject unto them. Then shall they become gods, because they have all power and the angels are subject unto them. Doctrine and Covenants, section 132, verse 20. Jesus had been born a spirit. He had been born in the flesh, and then he was reborn through resurrection. It was then that he was told by his Father, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten thee. Acts chapter 13, verse 33. See also Psalms chapter 2, verse 7. The father would not be able to carry, to carry on such conversations with the newborn infant. John the Beloved referred to Jesus as being the first begotten of the resurrection. And we're on page 110 at 91%. 
And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the deaf and the prince of the kings of the earth. Revelations chapter 1 verse 5. This once again illustrates the broad definition of the term begotten. Summary. From these scriptures and sayings of the prophets, the following premise premise are established. Number one, Jesus was begotten as a spirit before he came to earth as a mortal. Number two, we are all begotten as spirits, sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father before we were born on the earth. And I talked about how that happened. Number three, Jesus was the firstborn son of the Father in the Spirit. Number four, Jesus was the only begotten Son of the Father in the flesh. Number five, Jesus was spiritually begotten of the Father after his resurrection. Number six, mankind can become Christ's spiritually begotten sons and daughters on various levels. Number seven, born again through faith when they believe on my name, as recorded in Ether chapter three, verse 14. Number eight, born again through baptism when they take upon them the name of Christ through covenant. Number nine, born again through ordinances, which is recorded in teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 162. Number 10, they receive me, as recorded in the Doctrine and Covenants 11, verse 30, and also receive my gospel, and they receive my gospel, Doctrine and Covenants, section 25, verse 1. Number 11, they sinneth not. First John chapter 5, verse 18. Number 12, one with Christ, as according to Doctrine and Covenants 35, verse 2, and they are members of the Church of the Firstborn, or they become members of the Church of the Firstborn, Doctrine and Covenants, section 93, verse 22. They are gods, even the sons of God. Uh, the numbering got all screwed up here. Anyway, I'll just read it. Uh, we're almost done, by the way. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus because we are his brothers and sisters. Anyway, so that's the end of that chapter. When we come back, we'll be on chapter 11. And that chapter is going to talk about being confined to this world, which is a, a, an important chapter, and I'll get to that as soon as I'm able to. So anyway, um, I am going to be headed to Salt Lake later on today because I'm going to go can some peaches with my friend. And um, me and my wife are going to go do that. So 
Anyway, um, I'll get this up as soon as I can um, uh, on the, the podcast. And um, like I've said before, the description to where you can go read the, the chapter and um, where you can go read the book and other books on restoration theology will be added in the description of this podcast. And uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about that. So um, real quick, for those of you who are trying to force the baptism of fire, you can ask for it, but you're not going to force it. What my suggestion to you is, is that you continue to learn and to grow. You ask for inspiration of the Spirit, and you receive revelation, and you get confirmation of the Holy Spirit. Keep doing that. Eventually, you are going to receive your baptism of fire. I had a woman come to me from the border of Mexico um, down on um, Arizona-Mexico border. And she came all the way up just so that I would baptize her because she wanted to have the, the fire, the, the uh, baptism of fire, and she didn't have it. They're like she wanted to enter into the covenant path and immediately receive the reward. That's not how it works. You do the things which God has commanded, and as you do them, He will see fit to to give you the gift that you desire at His timing, not yours. So anyway, um, I'm going to finish this podcast and then uh, I will, uh, I'll continue on with the next chapter uh, uh, when I have time. So thank you for listening, everyone. Take care. God bless. Goodbye.